Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Thank you, Gary. And thanks, as always, to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. I got to tell you, Tangent Bound Network is doing wonderful. There's a lot of great podcasts over there. But I want to tell you about two of our friends, Steve Axtel and Gary Owen. First, let's talk about Steve. He has something called Axtel Intelligence, which is right now being put in uh, restaurants down in Pigeon Forge. It's interesting to talk about because we are welcoming our first celebrity chef on the show today. So I just want to mention that this Axtel Intelligence, which he's now putting out to the consumer market, began in a restaurant down in Pigeon Forge. It's been so neat to watch the evolution of this because we started this show back when he started doing all the hands-free light stuff with the characters, and now he's doing Axtel Intelligence, which is wonderful. I tried to pitch him. I tried to say, call it Axtelligence, but AI, Axtel Intelligence, Artificial Intelligence. I love it. And then, of course, our friend Gary Owen, whose voice you hear at the top of every single show, he is helping to produce. I'm not sure what his role is on set, on stage, but he is producing a young lady who tours constantly. I'm amazed at her tour schedule. That is Darcy Lynn, the winner of the 2017 season of America's Got Talent. And she's been touring constantly, like I said, and I'm just amazed. And Gary goes with her, does what he does. He's been her coach for a long, long time. And we're so proud to uh, have him supporting this show and have his voice on this show and so proud to see what he's achieved with Darcy. And Darcy has a whole team behind her. Terry Fader's been a part of her success. Everybody that you know and love from listening to this show way back has had a hand in in some way or another with Darcy uh, coming up. And it's just so cool to see her success. Now, we got all of that out of the way. I want to say this is the first time we've had ventriloquists, we've had magicians, we've had jugglers, we've had... Uh, talk show hosts, even uh, uh, commentators, whole bunch of different types of people in media. We have never had a celebrity chef on this show. And if you're going to welcome a celebrity chef first, there is no other woman in the world that I would want, no other person in the world that I would want on this show to kick off, break down that door for us, kick in that wall for us of having chefs on the show, then the matriarch of Italian-American cuisine, Ms. Lydia Bastianich. She has been a staple personality on PBS for over 30 years, earning that moniker of the matriarch, the mother of Italian-American cuisine. She is the mother of Joe Bastianich, who's on MasterChef. I'll talk about that after the interview, because this is about her and her story. She's been presenting cooking programs that teach easy and accessible home recipes, which have no doubt been tried in houses all across the country. Hundreds of millions of Americans have welcomed her into their homes, tried her recipes, And, you know, we're headed into that cold, wintry, in-between winter and fall season that I absolutely love, headed towards Halloween, headed into the holidays, and there is no better comfort food for my money than Italian cuisine, especially Italian-American cuisine. If there's one thing I hope you've learned about my eating habits on this show, it is that I love pasta. And we do get in on this interview into that fresh versus dried pasta debate. It's really, really fun. And... What's really interesting is Lydia Bastianich's story. She's an Italian immigrant who fled a communist regime, and she settled in New York with her family, where she would eventually begin her restaurant empire. 
with successful smaller ventures in the outer boroughs, I think mainly Queens. Ms. Bastianich and her then-husband Felice opened Felidia, a combination of Felice and Lydia, which remains a flagship of the Bastianich family of restaurants, which also includes internationally renowned Italian market-inspired restaurant slash market. I can't really describe it. You have to go to one of the locations across the country to see it. It's Italy, and it is amazing. Not only is it an Italian market, it is some of the freshest, most delicious pasta and sauces and meats and pizzas. We ate there. There's a a member of our family who is gluten-free, and we ate there, and she said, this is the best gluten-free bread I've ever had on the bottom of the pizza because they make it fresh. And it is very European because in Europe, she was saying that Europe is better with these breads because they do the dough, they freeze it, they cook it like 70% of the way, and then when you order it, they cook it the rest of the way so it stays fresh because gluten-free bread gets stale very quickly. So I've learned a lot doing research for having Lydia on the show. And uh, all of these stories and more can be found in Ms. Bastian. Not her stories, not my stupid gluten bread story. All of these stories from her can be found in her 2018 memoir, My American Dream, A Life of Love, Family, and Food, which is still on shelves everywhere. I see it every time I go into a book into a bookstore, and I emailed in. I said, hey, I'm going to interview Lydia. Can I get a copy of this book? And they sent it right over. So uh, it's a really, really interesting, interesting read. And let me tell you firsthand, having both eaten at Italy throughout college, that was like the date spot for me. And, you know, I'd go there with friends. So it was really, really great. Uh, you can mix and match kind of more formal areas of the market and more casual. I loved going there. And more recently, we discovered it was a food religious experience that I just had at Midtown's affordably priced Becco. See, Felidia is the higher end. You pay for your meal. You pay like a hundred some bucks for the meal, and I'm sure it's delicious. But if you want a la carte, you want something before you're going to go see a Broadway show, you got to go to Becco on 46th or yeah, 46th between 8th and 9th. It is delicious right there in the food restaurant row. It is amazing. And both of these restaurants that I've been to, Italy and Becco, they prove that Ms. Lydia is the real deal. Her food, her recipes is amazing. I mean, I was bowled over at Becco when I call it a religious food experience. I mean it. We're talking Michelin star quality. It is awesome. Awesome. And that's coming from somebody who has eaten at a Michelin star restaurant that I was dining with. I've never been to a Michelin star restaurant. You all know I'm a redneck. So uh, it was amazing. And I just want to thank the staff and especially Chef uh, Gallagher for treating us so nicely. When we stopped by the night before I was to interview Lydia, uh, it was one of my favorite uh, interview research sessions I think I've ever had. And uh, I think for that reason alone, I want to interview more celebrity chefs. So here, I'm sorry, I'm laughing at my own experience because it's so fun. It was crazy. It was wild just because they treated us so nicely. And I'm just, I'm me, you know, it was really, really fun. The food was great. And I'm just laughing, thinking about what what a good time we had. And so uh, I want to get to the crux of the matter here. Here now to tell us about her American dream. Lydia, let me see if I I can say all three names right. And if I don't, somebody from her team, please scold me. Lydia Machio Bastianich. Lydia Bastianich, welcome to Talk for Two. This is a treat. You are the first celebrity chef we have ever had on the show. How are you? 
Oh, pleasure being here, Matt. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for doing this. Let's uh, let's begin at the beginning. When was your passion for cooking ignited? If I remember correctly from what I've been reading, it has to do with your Nona, correct? Yes, it goes way back. I grew up in a setting with a grandma, great-grandma, and the setting was quite uh, close to the earth. You know, she had the courtyard animals, we had chickens, we had rabbits, we had... Uh, 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 Sheeps, we had uh, uh, goats, which we milked for the morning breakfast. And she also, you know, we had a garden. Uh, we made our own olive oil, uh, potatoes, tomatoes, all of that that was safe for the winter. The garlics were braided. So, you know, I was a little helper running around. But what, what happened was that, you know, the, what, the, what, what sort of uh, stayed with me was that the closeness to nature and how nature gifted us with these wonderful things to to keep life going. That's beautiful. And I watched an interview where you said you left uh, Italy as a refugee to the United States as an immigrant, um, and you didn't know it was the last time you were going to see your grandmother and that you were searching for her, in a sense, in the food. And uh, I'm just wondering, were you able to capture that e- that essence of your grandmother in in all of this that you have accomplished? Well, I think, yeah, food is marvelous. Uh, what happened, I was born in Istria, and mm-hmm. Istria became communist Yugoslavia. We escaped back into Italy and on, uh, you know, uh, happily to the United States. But I did not say goodbye to Grandma because children were not told exactly what was happening. It was a political kind of uh, tight uh, situation. So uh, when when I was back in Italy and and it just I missed Grandma very much. I, you know I didn't say goodbye to her to the animals, and food became my my connector, my conduit back to that wonderful place. So the smells of food, the cooking of food, the, the sort of recap, trying to recapture what Grandma and I would be doing. That brought Grandma with me, and uh, you know, for the rest of my life, I continued to communicate with food. I did see Grandma ten years later, so so that was that was fine. But I did continue with food as my communicator, as my connector. But then, you know, then I think that food is that for most of the people. You know, it it sort of connects you to the table, connects you to your family, to your sentiments, to your memories. Uh, so food is very important uh, beyond eating and nurturing us in our emotional lives. And it's a very visceral thing for you. I, again, I know that you love to smell, touch, taste. All of that is important to you and in what you create. Well, you know, understanding and, and tasting food, yeah, mm-hmm. you use all of your senses to get to know the world. And food is uh, uh, much of that. So, you know, you touch it, you feel the texture, you smell it. Is it ripe? Uh, the smell of a, a, a perfectly ripe peach. I mean, you know, you identify that right away or that perfectly ripe fig. Uh, the, then ultimately, you know, how does it feel? How does it, does it have a crunch? Does it have a bite? The flavors ultimately, all of that, you know, plays uh, a big role. It's like a big symphony. Put, the, put all of that together and you've got a great experience. You really do. Talk about a great experience. Uh, We ate last night, because I'm a thorough journalist and I do my research, we ate last night at uh, Becco. We went over, and oh my gosh, the best experience at a restaurant I've ever had. It was wonderful. It was really, really wonderful. I am delighted you had a a good time. Yes, Becco on West 46th, right in the theater zone. It's it's a very 
homey place. Uh, one feels comfortable at home, and certainly uh, there's plenty of food to enjoy. It really is. It really is wonderful, and I'll ask you about that in a few minutes. But the thing I am most curious to hear about from you is what is the difference between Italian cuisine and what has gotten labeled as Italian-American cuisine? What to you is that difference? Well, it's it's a big difference, and yet there's a big uh, similarity. It's kind of two parallel lines of the Italian cuisine. The Italian cuisine in Italy, it's very regional. You know, Italy has 20, 20 regions, and each region uh, is very unique on the products that it has. You know, it's determined by its positioning, whether it's on the sea, the topography, the climate, and also, you know, the, the cuisine of Italy, uh, Italy as a country, is very much shaped by the different occupations, you know. I come northeast, so so there's the, the Germanic, the Slavic, the Austro-Hungarian influence very much in my, in our cooking up there. You go down to Sicily, there's the Arab and the Moor influence in the cooking of Sicily. So it's amazing how different uh, Italy, Italy's cuisine is from region to region. On the other hand, uh, you know, the Italian-American cuisine is certainly rooted in the Italian cuisine. Uh, the first uh, um, uh, kind of group of Italians that came as immigrants, and that is at the end of the uh, 1800s, came from three regions, and that is um, uh, Campania, which is Naples, Sicily, and Calabria, all the way down to the tip of the boot, the, the Sicily, the island. And uh, the Italian-American cuisine is rooted in the culture of those three regions. Lots of tomatoes and the spicy sauces and uh, uh, spices, spicy uh, culatellos and, and, and uh, uh, different sausages. Uh, and you have, what you have to match, what you have to consider is that these people came at that time and what is a cuisine? How do you transport a cuisine? A cuisine is about the traditional products and the technique. So they brought with them the technique and the memory, but they didn't have all of those wonderful products like grana padano, aceto balsamico, uh, prosciutto tradizionale. All of that was missing in their uh, kind of repertoire, in their larder now here in the States. And so they cooked the food that they remember with the products that were available, and the cuisine definitely changed. Uh, it, it changed, you know, it's a cuisine that um, spaghetti and meatballs, you know, mm-hmm. even though meatballs are made around Italy, small, some put them in soups, some put it, but it's never served in, in at the big meatballs in sauce over spaghetti. But, you know, these immigrants came to the States, and, you know, they came because a lot of them, you know, needed food, were, hung- were hungry, wanted to feed their family. And here, the abundance of meat. And so this Sunday sauce got loaded rather than just a little small piece of cotica, which is pork skin. It got loaded with sausages, with meatballs, with pieces of meat. And so the Italian-American cuisine is much more uh, about those big Sunday meaty saucy dinners, if you will. The tomatoes. Tomatoes are a new world country. Tomatoes are American. But here in America, the tomatoes were different, were kind of bigger, uh, like beefsteak, more juicier, more seeds. Whereas in Italy, by then, they had already uh, began to grow the, the small sauce tomatoes, the San Marzano and so on. So in cooking with the big tomatoes, what they had to do is they had to cook the sauce much longer because there was much more juice. 
there's much more seeds. So the seeds uh, have tannins and make the sauce bitter. So there's a little bit of sugar. In Italy, you never put sugar in the sauce. And uh, and uh, as far as the one uh, herb or, or spice or uh, that they did find was garlic. And garlic was similar, very close to taste in Italy. So they used loads of garlic. You know, as you travel mm-hmm. in Italy, garlic is it's used uh, minimally. You know, yes, you flavor and all that, but you don't overload it. And so all these changes delineate the Italian-American cuisine, which is much loved, which is a wonderful cuisine, which is a cuisine of, of adaptation. You know, the Italians coming here and, and finding how to duplicate, if they will, their culture in the kitchen with the products that they found. That is beautiful. And again, you execute that blend so beautifully at your restaurants. I haven't been to Felidia yet, but I was reading about it in your book, My American Dream, and all of the trials you and your then-husband went through uh, trying to open it. And I'm curious, because you talk about even the financial hardships, knowing what you know now and knowing how expensive it is in the 2010s as opposed to the 1970s, would you attempt something as big and as grand and as much of a risk uh, in this day and well, age? you know... Uh... Uh, it's, uh, I guess, you know, um, uh, I, as an immigrant, you're offered this opportunity, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't, you know, not take them. And I think that still is within me, you know, because an opportunity, because, uh, you know, being growing up uh, as a small child under communism, then being two years in a refugee camp, and so on, you know, the opportunity of doing something was, was it's, it's something that you got to take. And the restaurant that we, we in 1981, opened for Lydia, mm-hmm. the food there was very much regional because I said, okay, I'm going to do the food of Italy. But the investment, uh, you know, we were, we had a budget and all of that, but, you know, as, as buildings go and building stuff, uh, we were not, I guess, wise enough. It always goes over budget and certainly did. And we finally made it. After that, I've developed many restaurants and, you know, big investments and whatever. So I would say, you know, I'm a risk taker and that's what makes somebody maybe uh, more of a, of a business person and not every risk uh, yields results. Mm-hmm. Uh, but would I take it today? It's ever harder to open a restaurant. The, the, the numbers, uh, the budgets are so, so enormous, especially in big cities. So I would be very cautious and really plan on the budget uh, in the next venture uh, when, when I do one. And one of the risks that you that you took recently and that is continuing to grow, it's paying off, is a place I frequented very much as a college student, and I still go to the new one downtown. Italy is just so wonderful. What was the inspiration to bring that Italian market style combined with a fresh with fresh restaurants peppered throughout? What what inspired this wonderful hybrid of, of things in this marketplace for you? Well, Matt, you know, um, the uh, being in the industry, I'm always curious about what's happening. I always go back to Italy to see what is Italy, that means the country, doing uh, that I can bring back to America, you know, because I felt I feel like a conduit of the Italian culture, certainly the Italian culinary culture. So this new place Italy had opened in Torino about 10 years ago, and I was curious to see, you know, and I heard about it, uh, uh, so I went to Torino. There was a slow food convention as well. And uh, I went to Italy, 
and I asked to meet uh, Oscar Farinetti, who is the brain, brainchild of this of this concept. And it amazed me, you know, to see that under one roof, you would have all the retail opportunities of beautiful fresh fish and meat and vegetable. And alongside, you know, take that, that product that people buy and go home and cook and prepare it so that, that the customers, the guests would have an option to come into this kind of, uh, if you will, festa, feast of food, could buy it to take home, to cook at home, have an opportunity to, because we have La Scuola, we have classes in our Italy, to mm-hmm. take a class to learn how to use that product, to taste that product, and uh, ultimately to, to eat it in the restaurants within this concept. You know, our, our first Italy uh, on 23rd and, and 5th Avenue in New York, 23rd Street, is, is uh, 25,000 square feet, a mm-hmm. lot of uh, seven restaurants. Uh, we have a beautiful school. We have, and there's a lot of education going on, tastings, you know, all the different departments, be it cheeses, be it. So I said, you know, this kind of concept would really work. Americans are always curious. They, first of all, they love the Italian culture. They love Italian food. And Americans are always interested to learn, to new new, learn new things, to have opportunities to taste. That's it. This concept would go very well. In the meantime, Oscar already had the idea of asking me, he says, Lydia, you know, I, I really would like to take this concept uh, to America, especially to New York. Would you and your family be interested? And so we were, we discussed the, uh, the business uh, opportunities, and we opened, uh, it's uh, now seven years ago, we opened Italy downtown, Italy on 23rd Street, and then Italy downtown followed. It's wonderful. And anybody who visits New York, they have to go to your restaurants and they have to go to Italy. It's just wonderful. And it's like you're, it's literally like you walk into Italy is, and I've never been there, but I feel like you're transported to Europe. It's, it's wonderful. It really it is. It is. That's, that's, that's the, 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 the input in it. We want guests to come in and to feel like they're in Italy, whether they want an espresso, whether they want an ice cream, whether they want a panino, a pizza. They have the opportunity to take each one, uh, you know, individually, you know, not having to always sit down for a full meal. It's wonderful. And the other restaurant I want to talk to you about is because we were there last night, Becco. I met William Gallagher, and he talked Uh about, you know, he's been there 20 years, and you've been so great to him. And I'm curious, not only for Becco, but for all of your restaurants in New York, how do you decide oh, this should go on the menu at Felidia, this should go on the menu at Becco, this should go on the menu at Del Posto. How do you decide where to put dishes? Well, you know, first of all, you you choose in a location, and then Mm -hmm. you're driven a lot by the location. What does the area need or want or or what would work well? Now, Italian food, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive to be delicious. On the other hand, it could be very elegant, like in our Del Posto restaurant and so on. You know, uh, Michelin star and uh, uh, five uh, stars, uh, uh, New York Times and so on. So, uh, Beko, you know, it's a theater district. Uh, a lot of people in, in a short period of time need to eat, get to do, do a theater, and then they all come out in a big uh, uh, sort of... And, uh, and um, we thought... You know, pasta is, 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 everybody loves it. 
And I don't know if you had any pasta, but what oh, yes. we do there, we serve it, you know, three pastas of the day. So mm-hmm. continuously made fresh pasta, served out in, in pans, and the people that order the pasta trio get, you know, fresh steaming out of the pan, and they can get seconds and thirds if they like along the way. So so it's that that concept at Beckel, uh, uh really fits that, that rhythm uh, of, and the need of the customers that come in, you know. We mm-hmm. have a, a curtain call, and uh, you have a room full of 200 people. How do you serve them all well and good? And uh, you find a system and the right price, of course, too. That's wonderful. And uh, it's worked. You've implemented that in other restaurants. I know this is kind of a, something funny that people kind of always ask you about, but fresh or dried pasta? You know, uh, I love them both. <laughs> people, you know, it's... Uh, I'm from the north, so we do more fresh pasta, mm-hmm. but I love dry pasta. I mean, you know, spaghetti linguine or spaghetti clam sauce, it's one of my favorites. So it's completely different worlds, and they're both delicious, and they should be used, you know, when you have more time and you want to make fresh pasta, then, you know, that's one experience. But you open a pound of pasta with a quick sauce, and you, have, you can have a wonderful dinner in 20 minutes. Right. Now, uh, obviously, we can't let you go without talking about your 20 years on public television, a celebrity chef that's really built your name, built your brand. Through all of this TV work, you come into people's homes, you show them how unintimidating being in a kitchen can be. And I just want to know, beyond the obvious of the recipes and, and all of the things that they see and how to do them, what do you hope your audiences that watch you take away from watching your program? Well, I really hope that they get empowered and that they feel comfortable in the kitchen and they they get uh, the courage to go in the kitchen and if they're kind of reluctant to begin to cook and if they love to cook, to experiment ever more. And to not only, you know, I give them recipes, I give them tradition, I give them uh, techniques, but I want them to be able to come on their own, you know. If I give them a recipe and I use eggplants, but eggplants are not in season or not good, and they have lots of uh, uh, zucchini, why not? So I want to give them that freedom to feel to feel free and to, to flow in the kitchen on their own. That's wonderful. And the last question I have for you, because I know you got to go. I'm sure you got other interviews and things lined up, and we said 20 minutes here. Um, what is your advice to people that watch you and want a career like yours, where they're opening restaurants, they're, they, they're writing books, they're opening, you know, they're hosting TV shows. What's your advice to aspiring chefs that want to make it big? Well, you know, like in any other profession, it's an evolution. You have to invest in yourself. You have to be rich in what you're going to project. And as far as restaurants, uh, you have to have some business savvy, but you have to have a passion for food, uh, you know, Certainly being a chef is one part of the restaurant, but you don't necessarily have to. But you have to understand food, what makes good food, who is a good chef, how can you collaborate with the chef. So you really have to invest in yourself and into the knowledge of the subject in restaurants business. And you need to, you know, get that experience by going around, by going to classes, by going traveling to the country. If you want to cook Italian food, you know, you've got, yourself, you've got to get yourself to Italy and understand how the Italians eat. Uh, and from then, kind of, you, you, you grow. Uh, you know, if you collect all that wonderful recipes and ideas and you have something to say, then a cookbook, you know, a publisher might be interested. But again, 
you know, you have to know your audience. You have to know, you know, what do you want to say to that audience? You have to give some, you know, it's, it's, uh, you can't, it's, it's not all about yourself. It's about what can you transport to the people that come to your restaurant, the experience, the people that buy your books, the people that watch your show. What am I giving them? What am I bringing them? What am I facilitating them with that they can feel part of Lydia or they can feel like Lydia or they can feel as empowered as Lydia? Well, you are certainly an empowering teacher, a magnificent chef, and a rock star in your own right because of everything that you have done. And it is such a thrill and such an honor. Uh, and my mom just asks, just asks because she loves MasterChef that uh, you send her love to Joe for her. And, uh, <laughs> I will. I'll do that. Thank you, Matt. Good luck to you. Thank you, Lydia. I had such fun and cannot wait to interview more chefs in the future. I got to tell you, it's always fun for me to welcome someone in a category in a career field we've not had on the show before. It's a challenge because I'm sitting there and I'm scared to death, scared to death, thinking I've done all the research, I've read the book, but are these going to be dumb questions? And it turned out better than I could have hoped. Learned something new about how Italian became Italian-American because I've stuffed my face with more Alfredo than I think most people will in their lifetime. So it's interesting to, to learn all of the differences. It's interesting to me. I care about stuff like that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Lydia. And of course, like I mentioned at the top of the show, her son uh, bears mentioning because I'm sure you all know who he is. He is the, he is Joe Bastianich, the stern but fair judge on MasterChef. And uh, my mom made me say to Lydia, and I'm not sure if I kept it in or not because I haven't edited yet, made me say, please tell Lydia. My mom said, please tell Lydia hi to Joe for me. So, because she loves, she loves MasterChef. And Joe is such a presence and has such a command of the room. And, you know, knowing what his mother has done and, and his mother's personality, it is no wonder the Bastianich family is a force to be reckoned with. And once you try their food, if you're lucky to, enough to get to any of their restaurants across the country, you will be a convert. And once again, Lydia's book is My American Dream, A Life of Love, Family, and Food. It is available everywhere. And that's it for us today. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talk for Two and keep in touch at Talk for Two cast at gmail.com. I, I tend to forget that email, but I do check it as often as I can. It's the fan email. Please email in and uh, follow us at talkfor2.com. Subscribe in iTunes, stick to radio anywhere you can. Thanks again to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. Signing off for Talk for Two, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two. Now go eat, because I hope this interview made you hungry. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com. <laughs>